0: Today on The Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML.
1: We all paused for a moment yesterday morning to remember an OPP officer killed in the line of duty. Officer Greg Pershala was laid to rest in Barrie, where he grew up. He died after being shot in Haldeman while responding to a call about a vehicle that was in the ditch. Matt Cardy of Global News covered the funeral. Craig Perjala's younger sister remembering one of the last times she spoke with her brother. He mentioned that no matter how small my circle of friends got, he would always be there as both a brother and a true best friend. Justina Perjala says they were close and spoke often. What would typically be a five-minute conversation turns into an hour-long meeting debriefing everything I've done in school. She says her brother's wisdom stood out as he offered insights that she would have never seen before. He would then spend another hour giving me life advice, which will always stick with me. Justina says Greg died a hero and lived as an inspiration. Matt Carty, Global News. Well, it's a story that's touched us all, and Michael Kempa, Associate Professor of Criminology at the University of Ottawa, is joining us now. Good morning, and, and thank you for your time.
0: Thank you. Good morning.
1: This is uh, shocking in and of itself, but one can't help but remember that it was only a couple of months ago that there was a funeral in that same location for two South Simcoe police officers who were also killed in the line of duty. It's a lot for any community to absorb, but particularly one the size of Barry.
0: It is, and there's been this very unfortunate, uh, tragic number of deaths in the last few months. And although these are horrible things, I would just point out that this is a recent blip up, a large number. But through history, there have been a large number of police fatalities. We shouldn't start thinking of this as being a new problem. Uh, It's an historic problem that has gone on for many decades.
1: Well, you know, it does... You know, I've seen some reactions from people saying it does seem like there's open season on police officers. But as you say, this may only be a blip, a very unusual set of circumstances, more of an anomaly
0: than a trend. Well, sort of. Quite a little bit the opposite, though. I'm saying we've got a recent blip in the last few months, but that we've been through a period where we did not have many fatalities. But through history, there have been a large number over the previous decades. So in a way, I'm saying we're returning to an unfortunate situation where there are a large number of fatalities. We shouldn't think of this as something that has suddenly started happening. In other words, it's been a problem for a very long time.
1: So should we take this as a situation where we really ought to pay more attention and maybe, you know, come up with hopefully some solutions?
0: This is the main issue. Absolutely. When we speak of policing and problems in policing and issues in parole and bail and remand, the front end of course being bail and remand, where if you're not granted bail, you're held in jail pending your trial. And then once you've served two thirds of your sentence, you're back out in the community on parole and issues where we have concerns that perhaps some of the wrong people are making their way into the community. We can't think of these as being isolated things. It's a criminal justice system. So everything we do in policing connects to one's e- what ends up happening with the courts, What's ha- what ends up happening with bail versus remand decisions. At the moment we're sending a very large number of extremely minor cases to the courts this leads to a very large number of very insignificant offenders being held on remand, which I'm arguing really doesn't leave enough room to hold the people that need to be there. People end up being held for too long waiting for delayed trials. This leads to, in some cases, dangerous people falling through the cracks and being released by judges because they can't hold them indefinitely prior to them ever having been convicted of a crime. So we have a number of things to work on here. This is not an argument for softening up bail and parole, quite the opposite. I'm saying let's make sure we create enough space to hold the people we really need to hold.
1: Well, and we're facing, I mean, we've heard about the backlog in the courts and uh, in the whole process for some time now, but it was made much worse by the pandemic. Um, You know, there were... There were incredible overcrowding. You know, they closed the courts for a while. That led to an even larger backlog. Um, And it's not something that we can just sort of wait and and see how it's going to filter out or that through time things might catch up. Um, There was a problem before this.
0: There has been. There's we've been trending in this direction of holding more and more people on remand, more and more minor offenders on remand for about 25 years It's gotten to the point that in Ontario, for example, 70% of the people who aren't in jail right now are being held waiting for a trial. They've not been convicted of anything as yet. They've been denied bail, in other words. Now, I'm arguing, obviously, that's an untenable number. You need to make space to hold the people who really need to be there. In order to get clarity on this, what you need is a federal government that really takes the lead on courageous legislation that sets a clear bail, remand, and probation uh, parole framework at the front and back end of somebody's um, process of being charged, tried, convicted, and uh, going through the correction services. Because if you leave it to the courts, it's just not clear enough. It doesn't end up being applied uniformly across the country. Mistakes are made, but it takes a lot of guts for a federal government to lead an initiative on clearly reforming that system. It's very similar, what I'm arguing, it's very similar to what we did with youth justice about 15 years ago, where we brought forward a new youth justice criminal act. We need a new act to regulate bail, parole, observation, uh, the entire front and back end of who is held.
1: Are there opportunities, if we do write new legislation, to perhaps uh, spend a little less if we're letting um, people who are going to be uh, remanded or, or, I'm sorry, uh, put on... Um, uh, released pending trial for minor crimes, could we at least maybe cut down on some of the overcrowding and and some of the other financial problems that come with um, an overburdened court system?
0: Oh, absolutely. This is a major, uh, at least one of the considerations that we have. You know, we have to think of it in terms of, obviously, every system has a capacity. So the police system, the court system, the prison system, and the community correction system, there's only so many people that you can filter through these things. So if you want to use them effectively and really keep the community safe, you've got to have a logic that's articulated by the government as to what type of offenders, what types of rules are we looking for hold the right people. So we've heard very sensible arguments, for example, coming from the commissioner of the OPP, Thomas Karik, Saying, well, why is it that people who have been associated with gun firearms offenses and violent offenses are being released on bail? Well, very clearly, that might be a rule that the federal government should set and say, these are the folks who need to be held pending trial. But things like minor drug offenses, things to do with what you could call spontaneous violence, things like assaults and bars and whatnot, where people get into scuffles, In other words, which aren't random violence directed towards innocent people in the community and so forth. These are the types of things that you can be released, not without conditions, with certain things you have to do, like perhaps check in uh, with a community officer and so forth at certain intervals of time to make sure that you show up at your trial in due course or surrender your passport and so forth to really make sure that we've got the right people coming through. We're not just talking about saving money and resources, but this is a part of it. There's only so much capacity in the system
1: And as we found out, uh, when you have overcapacity in that system, you have crowding. There is a host of other problems that come along with that as well. Uh, The drug abuse, uh, you know, at the Barton Street Jail or the Hamilton Wentworth Detention Mm. Center. You know, we've seen a big history uh, of drug abuse and drug problems there. Uh, With the pandemic, when you get a, a virus going through a containment area like that, it goes through it like a hot knife through butter.
0: Well, this is also a major issue. When somebody's sitting on remand, they're in jail waiting for a trial, it's essentially dead time. They're just sitting there. There's no services for anybody who's being held on remand or denied bail. There's no drug counseling or treatment. There's nothing to do with any form of addressing anger issues or violence issues and so forward. They are literally being warehoused awaiting trial. Now, that may be fine for a finite period of time, a short period of time until you get your day in court, In some cases, though, this is stretching on, if not just months, but into over a year for people who are just waiting for a trial. This is obviously not a good way to ensure that somebody who's going to be making their way back into the community, probably not too long because most sentences are not very long, particularly if you've been held on remand for a long period of time, you get a lot of credit applied to your final sentence for that. You have people who are being released back into the community who are just as dangerous, if not more so, than when they came in. It's obviously not a good recipe for community or police officer safety.
1: Yeah, I've heard tell that uh, it's actually sort of a master class in crime when you get sent into a detention center and, and you're waiting uh, to have your case heard.
0: Well, it is. And, you know, this is really where we went in a different direction. I mentioned youth justice. When we had the new Youth Offenders uh, Criminal Justice Act, we moved away from sending all but the most dangerous young people into the formal court and criminal incarceration system. And we focused much more on treatment, getting people, young people who had committed minor crimes into the community under supervision, getting appropriate schooling and so forth. And we found the results of that legislation have been very positive since the early 2000s. So in a sense, we need something similar for adults. Again, this is not an argument to be releasing all manner of dangerous people into the community. It's to make sure that those who've committed minor offenses ultimately don't become more dangerous to the community. And those who really are a problem are under appropriate control in the prison system, receiving you know whatever whatever forms of programs may be beneficial, ultimately being taken out of circulation for a period of time that is appropriate.
1: And And for those who have been arrested and charged, not yet convicted, uh, the, the time that you were talking about in detention center um, might be better spent than just sitting there and doing nothing.
0: Well, absolutely. And I mean, this is a big part of why you for minor cases, you often just direct them completely out of the formal court system completely, because there's a good community safety program that can be put together with police, with mental health, with addictions, counseling, and so forth in the community. And we're talking across Canada now in terms of community safety and well-being planning at the city level. There's been some tremendous successes with that in places like Edmonton uh, in Alberta, Peel in Ontario, we're starting to get there in Ottawa and Toronto as well. And this is really, again, not about softening up, it's just about dealing with minor offenders in much more appropriate ways, freeing up the space so that the, I guess you could call the real baddies are not falling through the cracks.
1: That's a lot to think about, and I appreciate you uh, bringing the topic forward.
0: Thank you kindly.
1: We're speaking with uh, Michael Kempa, Associate Professor of Criminology at the University of Ottawa.
0: The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.